Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to Get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to a special episode of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we are watching the awesome anime movie Redline. Yeah, this is going to be a crossover episode with the Anime Nostalgia podcast. We're going over Redline and get ready because it's about to get fucking high octane. Woo! Just like that. It's high octane. All right, uh, so we are here today with another crossover episode. This week we are with the Anime Nostalgia Podcast and uh, their wonderful host. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Dawn, a.k.a. Usamimi. I'm the host of Anime Nostalgia Podcast. Yeah, um, uh, so when uh, I I was looking around for different podcasts that I to like listen to when I was first getting further into before we started our podcast Mm -hmm. i actually found yours a long time ago and started listening to it and then i like put it down for a little while and then picked it back up i i really like your reviews on your site he brings it up periodically how much he likes yes (laughs) oh well thank you i'm glad you enjoyed them yeah um so uh one of the things that we chatted about a couple of times was uh, you you have gone over so many different like anime movies and anime series um so we uh, opened it up to see like what you would suggest and you ended up throwing out a bunch and we uh settled in on redline which i had never heard of before i did you hear of it before uh we brought it up like i had and i had heard of it because super eyepatch wolf did a video on it and mm. any longtime listeners know that i am a big fan of super eyepatch wolf yeah. And stay fairly current on his stuff. So he did a video not that long ago, like a couple of months maybe, uh, yeah. or more recent, about why it's a great movie. And uh, I watched that having never heard of it prior to that and was like, this looks cool. I should watch that sometime. And then yeah. kind of forgot about it. So when you mentioned that we were doing it for this episode, I was really stoked. Yeah. Um, so when was the when was the first time you ever saw it, Don? Um, I saw it, oh gosh, I want to say sometime around 2012, 2013, um, a a few years after it came out because, uh, it's really sad. This movie should have been way bigger in the U.S. than it is, which is like, not a lot of, not a lot of people have heard about it. Uh, I am astonished that there have been eight Fast and Furiouses and nobody has brought up this movie before. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm astonished that they did a live-action speed racer in the style of Redline and haven't done a Redline (laughs) film. Well, to be fair, Speed Racer came out way before this movie. But it's like, not this... Like, this Redline looks like the live-action Speed Racer movie, and Speed Racer doesn't really... (laughs) but um so this movie is a movie that i had wanted to see for a long time because um i'm a big fan of takeshi koike i think he's Mm -hmm. immensely talented and this was his directorial debut uh film film wise 
Um, he had never done like a big film before. And I'd been really, really excited about it, like, the minute I'd heard that he was doing this movie. But it never really got the promotions or the the buzz here in America that I feel like it really should have. And I don't know if that's in part due to the fact that it came out at a time when, like, we still weren't really getting, like, every anime movie that was coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh it was being brought over by manga entertainment and manga hasn't really been a very huge successful company like it had been in like the uh the 90s for quite some time uh so i don't think they really had the pr power to really push it as far as it needed to go uh so when it came out it kind of came out with like a a fizzle like it didn't really get a lot of uh showings i think it showed it a few uh film festivals and like that's about it really golly that's wild yeah especially for a movie that's like crazy action octane it just like i i am i am astounded that i have never heard of this movie before you brought it up which is like it it just goes to show like what happens when you have like bad pr cred and right like states in, yeah. in some parallel timeline, I feel like this should have been, like, the next Akira. I feel like this should have been the movie that, like, made people excited about anime. Like, this yeah. is, like, something that people who were just, like, maybe casual fans or just animation fans or even just, like, mm-hmm. action movie fans would have gone and seen at, like, you know, some little tiny indie theater and gone, like, wow, that was really rad. I gotta tell all my friends to go see Redline. Yeah, it's definitely a little... It's certainly light on the philosophy and sort of symbolism of Akira, but what it lacks there, it makes up for it in beautiful animation. Mm -hmm. And badassitude. Yeah, and just (laughs) style. It made me think a little bit of... Um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure with the way they do the colors that are Mm. not quite right, but in a really fun and interesting way. And then Soul Eater with the way that everything in Soul Eater has style. And so does this. And it it was really fucking fun. Yeah, Also, you mentioned the director, Takeshi Koike. So if you Mm -hmm. guys aren't familiar with him, he, after Redline, did Lupin the Third, a couple of films for that. He did some... Not oh feature God. film stuff earlier. And then he has a long list of other work just picking and choosing some recognizable names off of this list uh, from Wikipedia. He was the key animation. He was in charge of key animation for Ninja Scroll, which we've covered on our show. Um, he did uh, several things for Cardcaptor Sakura, which is a personal favorite of mine. He worked on Blood the Last Vampire as a key animator. Samurai Champloo uh, did opening animation. Oh, yeah. Uh, he worked on Trigun Badlands Rumble, which was a badass movie that Spencer and I got to see in theaters a couple of years ago together. And, oh. uh, he did some Loop in the Third, uh, stuff as well, not as a feature director. I mean, this guy's, and that's just like a small portion of the list from things that matter to me personally. There's a ton of stuff that he's been involved in. He's a, he's is, a big name. Yeah. Is he the, is he the one that did the Loop in the Third movie that has like the... Everybody talks about this fight, and I've seen, like, the video of it online, uh, where, like, the the swordsman that travels with Lupin fights against this guy that's, like, he's, like, an axe wielder with metal teeth. Is that the movie that he directed? Yes. 
Oh my god. He did that he did, animation is unreal. <laughs> he he did um the Jigen's Gravestone, which came out a few years yeah. ago. And mm-hmm. then the newest one, which is uh the blood spray of Goemon Ishikawa. Oh man. And he, now I just need to He also uh <laughs> did the character designs for the T V series The Woman Called Fujiko Mine, which is a favorite of mine. Um he's he's basically been involved in a lot of things that uh as someone who's been around for a long time, because I'm an old person. Uh, <laughs> Ew. He, I know, I'm so old. Um, but like you were saying, like he was involved in Ninja Scroll. He was involved in like all these like older things that like I personally always thought were like really cool looking. And he has a really cool personal style. Like if you look up some of the sketches and stuff that he does, like the artwork that he does, it's got this really great, just like... <sighs> Oh, it's so hard to explain. It's just this really, really great style that's very kind of sketchy and very bold mm. lines and mm. very, just really cool. And he really uh, likes to use a lot of those bold, like, uh, lines and shadows. Um, I believe he said uh, he was a huge, fran- a huge fan of Frank Miller. Like, he really likes Sin City. Okay. Which kind of explains like some of the the use of black and the the bold lines that you see especially in red line that's like very prevalent is he is he the kind of illustrator like a toriyama where you look at it and you're like oh this is the dude who did dragon ball i think so like every time i see like the art he did for like say fujiko mine uh i'm like oh that's definitely a koike thing like you can kind of tell yeah yeah I I got I got a a lot of uh, really interesting like feels from this movie. Like when I when I started watching it, I was like I was like, oh, it it really feels like a super stylized version of like uh, something that harkens back to like heavy metal, mm. like the the animation style of like that you know that American anime uh, like American weird animation style that they did, mm-hmm. or even like the animation style between uh, like the original Aeon Flux when it was like back on MTV and stuff. Um, I, I was like, especially how fearless they are with making people like grotesque. Yeah, like they they are fearless about like not everything is beautiful inside of this movie lots mm-hmm. of stuff inside this movie is weird and bent out of shape and it also reminded me of uh the the graphic novel that I, i've been following for a while uh saga if you've ever Oof. read it um it didn't you get like a feel of saga from this movie especially the way that they handled robot world like I, the the people from there i did not think of it but now that you're mentioning it i can see where you're making that connection yeah, I fucking love that graphic novel. By it's the way. so it's good. So I just good. got the new <laughs> TPB, but I haven't read it yet. So good. <laughs> it's funny that you brought up uh, Aeon Flux because he directed one of the shorts that was in the Animatrix. I don't know if you what? ever saw that. Oh, yeah. Yes. I saw he did that. <laughs> and Which one? World Record. Oh, my God. Of course. And a lot of oh. people assumed that that short was done by the guy that did Aeon Flux because it has kind of a similar style. But, mm. no, that was uh, uh, all him. Oh, man. That one's still, that one's still like, it, it makes my stomach drop every time I watch it. When, Dude, it's just, the when his just blows is out, so I was just underrated. like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, when Animatrix first came out, like a lot of people were like, "Oh, another Matrix thing." <laughs> yeah, and people, this was I think anime has caught a little bit. It it doesn't catch as much flack from mainstream community anymore. I don't. I was gonna say it caught more popularity, and I don't know if that's true, but I know like my personal perception at the time was that anime was sort of scoffed at in you know general society, and anime it fans still kind of is like as somebody who's been around for like a long time like i've seen anime fans come and go and i've seen reactions to anime for many many years and yeah. um you know back when i was younger it was all like oh anime that's all porn and kids cartoons right like mm, what it a was- combination <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was either one or two things. It was either like, oh, it is a fluffy kids cartoon, or it's like, ew, it's that like tentacle stuff, right? Ew. Uh, and that honestly hasn't changed completely when it comes to like certain news outlets. Like, if a non mm, like anime or animation news outlet is like, oh, we want to run a story about like this anime thing or whatever. One of the things I always see, like, it hasn't changed, is like, anime, it's not for kids anymore! <laughs> and it's like, One, it, like, never was. <laughs> I, I also like that it's just, like, tricks logic, you know? Like, you know. <laughs> There's, there has to be there has to be a rabbit at all times to tell you that it's not just for kids. <laughs> well, you know, it's also, like... It, it makes me think of like like one of my childhood favorites that I still have huge nostalgic goggles for is Digimon, mm-hmm. and mm. it's not like the most beautifully animated or well told story ever, but it's way more mature than the American version because it was heavily edited and in a lot of ways completely rewritten. Obviously, the basic plot structure for the most part is maintained, but there are a lot of serious things that are taken out or changed. Because in anime, or in Japan, anime is for older audiences, I think, usually. Certainly there's there's well, anime for all ages, but anime I Anime is just a medium. It's like saying all yeah. cartoons are just for children. And that's not quite mm-hmm. true. There's anime made for basically anybody. Like, from, yeah. from small and children I, all the way up to old people. I think yeah. that a lot of people don't make that connection or don't notice that like contradiction where they're like, well, anime is a cartoon and cartoons are kit are for kids. Right. So yeah. anime is for children. Now stop bothering me while I watch family guy. Exactly. <laughs> and like, um... That is yeah. exactly it. Like people are like, Oh, that anime stuff. That's it's either for, for wee little babies or it's, it's porn. Like there's no in between. Right. That's all yeah, there is. Because no animated series has been around for, like, 25 years and has been not for children. Like, you know, like, The Simpsons, obviously, is for children. Because it's animated. Of course. Yeah, there's never been... Yeah, there's... It's not not all about people that are always in a bar. And also, like, (laughs) man, he is a drunk. Uh, (laughs) There's, like... There's, like, this really interesting video I watched the other day where they talked about, like... Um, mainstream media and how it portrays the drunk as lovable so that it's okay for everybody to drink. And I was just like, oh, damn it, Homer. <laughs> it, it is okay for everybody to drink, but it's not okay to be a drunk. Yeah, I guess. It's the distinction. It's Anyways, 
We've wandered off into the weeds. (laughs) Anyways, getting back to this fantastic movie, we're definitely going to go ahead and just like completely jump into it. And it it kicks off not with like a whimper, but like fucking smack bang. Uh, It's it's so fast at the very start. And I did not know what to expect. And when it was just like a bunch of dog people smoking, I was like, what is happening? (laughs) A bunch of dog people smoking. (laughs) They should. uh, The only thing that I'll say about this movie right off the bat, not to just say that, like, you know, it's not the best movie ever made of all time, but it could have been the best movie made of all time if there were just more dog people throughout the whole movie. That's absolutely true. They should have true. gone to Dog World instead of Robot World. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Just a whole yeah. world of good boys. What's so yeah. weird? <laughs> good puppers. Oh my god. I legitimately thought about buying Blake the other day uh, a shirt that just said, Tell your dog I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's me completely. Yeah. yeah, so this what's so weird about describing the plot of this film too is that the plot you're like okay, the plot it's really not that complex, but at the same time it has a lot of complexities to it. Like Oh yeah. There's uh, not, there's a lot of stuff going on constantly. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. nothing being dragged out for 2 hours, mm-hmm. but if you needed to boil it down real quick, you could easily do it. Right. Yeah. We're not going to. Let's let's rake through this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So this planet that they're on, you're going to get your first glimpse of like this big giant ship that's uh, going to be flying around at an astonishingly fast speed when compared to like these racers that are going like faster than anything else should be able to go. But whatever. They're going to be videotaping and shooting this race that is shooting through the middle of like this. I guess they're going over like a gigantic countryside it's um, pod racing but cool yeah yeah it's, this was this is the wachowski siblings speed racer combined with pod racing in animated yeah. form and it's yeah. dope <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna be introduced to uh like two main characters and then i guess everybody else is unimportant um which are are, are two lead racers inside of this uh uh, going back and forth, and I cannot remember their names off the top of my head. JP and um, Sonoshi. Yeah. Um, they're going to be racing along, and this race is not a normal race, by the way. It's it's chock full of uh, machine gun blasts and gigantic rocket engines, and also, like, missiles that are secretly grappling hooks, which is just like, why? Yeah. But, I guess, I, rule of cool. I don't know. I already... I don't know if y'all are uh, too young to to know uh, a car- an old cartoon called Wacky Racers. Oh yeah, I definitely know that show. Okay, I do not. Uh, so it's basically an old Hanna Barbera cartoon where these weird casts of characters are uh, constantly racing each other, and they all have very personalized cars, and each car has like gimmicks in them. Like you know, some of them can shoot, like, uh, oil slicks, and some of them have little booby traps they can leave, and, you know, weird stuff like that. So, in a way, I feel like this is also very much like a very beefed-up Wacky Racers if it was, like, 100% serious. Yeah. 
I could see that. I, that makes me think of NASCAR. There was a NASCAR Racers or something like that show when I was growing up on probably Fox Kids. And it I was vaguely, kind of, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it lasted very long, and no. I think I just like definitely watched it. So like, I remember it periodically. Like, I only, oh, yeah. re- I only remember because at one point I worked at a video store, and I believe I stalked that in the children's section, and was oh, like, yeah. "Huh? So this is a thing they made." Yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, the end of this race is going to be the the really important part. If you if you want to, um, we're going to explain like a lot of this. But I also found a video online on on YouTube after I watched the whole uh, movie, which is just a compilation of just the races and the part where it, like cuts out all the plot, and it is awesome. So, I mean, if you're just in it for the pod racing, you can definitely just look up those videos <laughs> and watch all of them, and yeah. it's totally worth it because like. It, it's... If you're going to stop this and watch it right now, you totally should. And welcome back. Um, you've just <laughs> seen the uh, crazy moment where she gets shot off into the water and then flies over the water. And then they use, like, these insane nitro boosts to shoot over the finish line. You know what else oh, this man. made me think of, though, is um, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone is just, like, in it to a level that should be campy, but it's too self-aware. And taking itself seriously in just the right way. And it's Mm -hmm. just fun. It's so great. And you get all of that right from the beginning. Now I just wish somebody was playing, like, heavy guitar on top of one of these things while they're driving. It's the only thing missing. (laughs) Yeah, it's the only part that I needed. (laughs) Well, I mean, you still do get a pretty great soundtrack in this movie. Oh, true. The soundtrack is also awesome. Uh, Also... Before we get completely into it, I, I think by this point we've already done the intro title, which is also fantastic. So yeah, the the big important thing to learn from the first race that's not race specific is that um, JP is in some way connected to a guy. Oh fuck, what was his name? Uh, Frisbee. Uh, Frisbee. Frisbee. Right. <laughs> I remembered it was a common noun. I was like violin. What was his name? <laughs> so. His friend's name is Frisbee, and Frisbee is maybe going to be murdered by the mob if things don't turn out right. And by turn out right, it means if uh, if JP doesn't um, throw the race, maybe, question mark, he's not mm. supposed to win. And yeah. it's unclear if he's actually sincerely trying to win or not. Yeah. And uh, if he does win, the deal's off, and frisbee's going to be killed so there's something else going on here yeah the uh, the other thing that we learn from uh frisbee's uh friend who is being really menacing to him is that cocaine in the weird future also exists um except for you have to just put it on your teeth um, you can do that with puts, regular cocaine he's been doing that like every time he does that i'm just like you gotta stop man like it's it's gross <laughs> so um Okay, so we get the first race, and then basically at the end of the first race, JP's car crashes in a dramatic fashion. And it seems like this is the reason that he loses. And is it because they blow up his car, or does he mess up on his own? He he blows up the tire. He hits the detonator. For the yeah, race. there's so they rigged his car to fail, and then it does. Spectacularly. So he's in the hospital, and he's like mostly fine, but he's injured, so he's recovering. 
And mm-hmm. um, Frisbee's going to come see him, and he's got this big thing of cash. Because what they're doing is they're they're playing the odds that JP is going to win and making money off of it. Now that I say it out yeah. loud, I don't remember. I don't realize exactly what the mechanics are of this. But it actually kind of confused me as someone who has like you know I've I've bet on things before, and oh. you don't get to bet in the middle of a race when the odds are changing. But I guess you do in Weird Future World. Where it's like a like a pump and dump scheme kind of. That's like not what that means. Bitcoin. That's not what that <laughs> oh, means. Whatever, Blake. Don't well, be gross. this is all <laughs> mafia stuff. So these aren't like legitimate betting pools where oh, they yeah. cut it off at a certain point. Like they're gonna mm-hmm. keep taking your money as yeah. long as they'll as long as you'll give it to them. Basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. those damn mafia people. You, you want to bet on this race on this <laughs> the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And then you, like, wake up and there's one of those, like, you know, a horse person's head in your bed. Yeah. (laughs) We've all been there. So. Anyways. Just a normal Uh, Saturday, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, JP is going to wake up and uh, they're going to have a little bit of argument back and forth. Um, He's going to be like, don't give me this money. And then, uh, right when Frisbee is about to leave, a... a literal shit ton of reporters break into the room to try to talk to JP about what's happened inside of the race. So the race that he was in was called Yellow Line. And it if you win it, and we also know that there's a blue line, and uh, there's a big race called the Red Line. And the winner of Yellow Line gets to go to Red Line. And because of... S- some of the winners of the blue line race that JP was also in decide not to go to red line. He is now sort of the runner up and they're coming to see if he wants to go to red line, but there's a compelling reason why you might not want to go. Yeah. So can you tell us a a little bit uh, about the politics of this world in the future, Don? (laughs) It's not really entirely explained because they're like well it's a movie you don't need to know everything but uh basically the red line is going to be held on robo planet and the whole thing with red line is red line is this big race it's held every five years and and it's held on a different location each time and this time it just happens to be on robo world now the I guess I can't remember what they call him. The president, the yeah, uh, he's the, the general. President. Okay, the president of Robo World doesn't want Redline to be here because yeah, yeah. if Redline gets on his planet, then that means all these people are going to come, uh, things are going to be filmed, and he has all of these uh, super secret, high tech military things that he doesn't want people to find out about. And if all these people and all these newscasters are going to be there, they're going to see it, they're going to film it. And all the planets that want to destroy him will know all of his secrets. So RoboTrump does not want anybody that's not from his planet coming into his planet. (laughs) So he creates like a a wall of diplomacy around the planet, if you will. But the wall is obviously super ineffective because it's a silly idea. So they still get onto the planet. It's, yeah. it's it comes also later. It comes later. <laughs> uh, it, it's also fun to note that uh, the the designs of 
the robo planet, uh, the army and uh, the president and like all of his minions and stuff, uh, has a very distinctly Nazi-esque look to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I first saw like the the things that are on their shoulders, I was just like, that looks kind of like a swastika. Yeah. <laughs> it seems so, very clearly like it's an evoking that. Yeah, yeah. So this is clearly the big red flag that says, hey, these are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to raise a flag higher, you could only get it higher by uh, naming their super weapon called Funky Boy, which is obviously a play on Big Boy, which is the nuclear... One of the... Could be a play on Little Boy, Spencer. You don't know. Okay. One of those boys. (laughs) (laughs) He's his own boy now. But... (laughs) Also, also they were like, they were like, Funky Boy might wake up, and then they cut to, like, this big giant cube, and then they cut back away from it, and I was just like, nah, there's no way that that's not gonna happen. (laughs) Yeah, a big giant cube with, like, teeth on the outside. Uh, I was like, what the fuck is happening with this cube? And then you find out. But that's way later. So Yeah. Right. This is this is all set up for everything that's gonna happen later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they basically introduce the Robo Planet and the president of Robo Planet and how he's he's stupid and an idiot and this is all <laughs> this is all gonna happen whether he wants to or not. Uh he's just yeah. gonna get progressively angrier and angrier and throw more stuff into the mix, making uh, the plot more interesting. Yeah, yeah. he keeps on throwing... He hates chess pieces, is what we'll find hates out it. by the end of this movie. Them. He knocks them over constantly. <laughs> One time they get knocked over because something worked out for him, and he so smirks about it. <laughs> yeah. Chess pieces. So, uh, JP is going to have to put, back, put his car back together, so... Um, he is going to be uh, taken over to, I think it's like a planet that is also part of like the robo world. I, it's, I guess um, it's like a cluster of planets. It's or is a, it a moon, moon of the planet of robo world. And yeah. in the past, before the events of the movie, robo world seems to have had some sort of refugee crisis that they were involved in. And they designated the moon as a refugee zone probably i i think it's explicitly stated but i'm not sure um if not i think it's a fair assumption to make that they did this so that the refugees would not come to their own planet because they're they're pretty xenophobic and that shows up as like one of their defining traits as a like a culture and um the the refugee planet is really diverse and has yeah. all kinds of like people that are seem to be living in very apparent poverty and um, in addition, because it's a refugee zone, it is a demilitarized zone. And so they can't, they don't want the red line people there, but they cannot send, they cannot officially send their military to this moon to attack or detain or whatever the red line um, spectators or drivers. Yeah. So um, the. The uh, main character, JP, is going to be dropped onto this planet. Um, he is going to get there. Um, he's going to meet up with Frisbee, and uh, I cannot remember the name of his um, they mechanic. Call him like a, yeah, it's his mechanic or like junk. He calls himself like a drunk trawler at some point. Which I, I guess thought that was Frisbee. Like, that was the drunk, the junk dealer or something. I think yeah. that's. I, I think Frisbee's I connection it, with the mafia started because he wanted to get parts. Was what I was inferring. Yeah. 
Maybe. Anyways, um, they're going to come together to rebuild his car, and they're going to make it as fast and crazy as possible. Um, but that is uh, not before um, he is going to uh, get this sweet-ass motorcycle that has, like, a hover engine, and he's going to ride that around. Um, he's also going to be attacked by a little old alien lady who is yelling and crying at him the most. <laughs> I don't think we've mentioned... Uh yet but jp himself is like this really cool uh very rockabilly inspired character with mm-hmm. a huge pompadour like immensely huge uh and he wears like a biker jacket and he has boots and his car is basically a futuristic trans am mm-hmm. uh so the the motorcycle is basically in line with everything else in this whole aesthetic he's like uh, awesome anime danny zuko yeah, <laughs> uh, like you know, he's 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 really he's really ridiculous. But one of the things that is really endearing about the way that they design JP as a character is that he is not overly sexualized. Number one, which I really appreciate him as a character. Um, like he doesn't he doesn't gross out on people or and this movie doesn't really do that a ton. Where they're just like hypersexualizing there everything. There are two all the time. fan service characters, but they do it in a way that is hilarious and almost lampshading it. Yeah, except for that random one moment where there's just nudity for no reason. But whatever. <laughs> I feel like the the aesthetic of the movie is very ingrained in like seventies sort of pulp movies, where oh, yeah. they're like racing was such a huge element of a lot of those, and so it, there's an inherent sexual like vibe going on with a lot of the looks and feels of these characters but it's not a gross way it's like a playful fun way it's not it's not being like misogynistic about it it's just like oh look how fun and free and uh cute and attractive everybody is that's basically what they're what they're doing I think one of my main problems that I have with fan service in general is that it feels very, like, forced or overdone or even, like, exploitative. Like, or, obviously, it's animated, so it's not, but it kind of feels that way. Or and, just kind of, like, voyeuristic. Yeah, yeah, and in this film, when it's there, it it always feels self-directed. Like, whoever is the object of the sex or the sexual, like, look is the one that's serving it. They're not being ogled. They're not, there's not like, like harem anime accidentally landing on somebody panties first. Like there's none of that. It's always like the person who is the sex object is the one who's wielding the sexuality. And that I think works really well. Yeah. It becomes a character, like a character choice instead of just something that's happening involving them. Yeah. Anyways, um, the other thing that we're going to start seeing in, in uh, the beginning of this, I, I don't know if this happens right before or right after it, but they're going to introduce in a badass way all the different racers that you're going to see. Yeah. And I fucking love this sequence. It is like people coming to the stadium to fight and then you get to see like their exploits beforehand. Uh, my, my personal favorite is uh, the gorilla police officer. Um, yeah. he, he is by far my favorite. I also, uh, love so much that he has this, like, this love story that he doesn't want to admit to people because he's got a safe face. Uh-huh. But, like, at one point he, like, pulls out her picture and he's just like, I'm doing this for you. And I was like, <laughs> you go, gorilla police officer. 
uh, one of my favorite things about this movie is like they made like this really cool cast of characters and they give you just enough information to be like wow that one's cool oh look what they're all about oh wow that's really neat and like they don't really go anywhere with some of them but it's like just enough to be like okay they thought about this and that's a really fun character and i enjoy that yeah it's it's kind of like um yeah it's kind of like when you're it it reminded me of like uh back in the day when you would get like a fighting game and like in the beginning they would be like oh "Oh, here's here's the opening movie where they show you like every character and what they're all about you know this would be a great video game i was thinking that the whole time how have they not made this? <laughs> right? Yeah. This Mario is, Kart, I, but like with Redline. Yeah, oh I kept God. thinking it because just like in Mario Kart, the cars are equipped with weapons. There are booby traps on the tra- track and all of the cars are like different and cool. One of them can turn into a goddamn mecha. One of the drivers merges with his vehicle. Like they each have cool designs and they're different. Mm-hmm. And like I kept watching and being like, if this were a game, th- like in the movie, there's a main character. But if this were a game, you could see all of the drivers being used because they have fun designs and people could just pick oh, their yeah. favorite. Yeah. Uh, I My favorite thing about Gorilla Police Officer is that the video they show of him is like this cop's video where he catches up with these two guys that are like driving too fast and he just beats the shit out of them. And then <laughs> afterwards they're interviewing him and they were like, don't you think it's police brutality? And he was like, fuck you. <laughs> well, he's his like each one of them has a moniker that they're like, this is your name. And like this is they're like they're what they're known as as a racer. And he's the dirty cop racer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Don. What's your favorite racer out of the uh, the eight? Gosh, well, I really love. Uh, I mean, this is probably like a cop out, but I really love Sanoshi. Uh, mm. I think she's a really cool character, and uh, there are parts in the movie that like really made me feel like I empathize with her in certain areas. Um, yeah. But I also really just like. <sighs> So many of them are just really fun and really cool. Um, I was really excited to see... um, There's actually some characters in this movie that showed up from a previous Koike thing. Um, What? (laughs) So the... Oh gosh, I cannot remember their names. But the the guy that has the the funky gear face... um, Machine Head? No, not Machine Head. Um, he was the one that uh, visited Sanoshi in the restaurant and ate all her food. Oh, oh, yeah. that guy. That, he's like a weird lizard dude. Yeah, he's got like this mechanical thing over his mouth. Like it's yeah. he's, he's got a really yeah. interesting design. But him and his partner are actually from a little OVA that Koike did called Trava Fist Planet. What? And that's cool. Yeah, and that never really got released over here. It was this weird OVA that Koike did for this defunct magazine that was trying to do basically before it was a little bit of ahead ahead of its time. What they were trying to do was make a magazine that was entirely on a CD-ROM. And on the CD-ROM, on each issue, you would get part of this OVA, and that was Fist Planet. And, okay. and I, I fucking love it when like creators just deep cut themselves inside <laughs> yeah. of their own movies. Right? Oh, so fucking good. 
I was really hoping that when they released a Blu-ray of this, that that would be like an extra or something. But I'm assuming that because he did this for like another company, that maybe he didn't have the rights to it or something like that. Some sort of like red tape that they couldn't cut through. But yeah, yeah, those two characters are from Trava Fist Planet. And so it was kind of cool to see them in this movie because uh, Trava Fist Planet is really weird but kind of cool uh a lot like this movie um (laughs) so it was cool to see those characters again even though it's more of like a cameo instead of something that was centered around them um i also i also enjoy the the other female racers just because they're so wild and out there uh they are the sexual ones too but in a great way their car they, turns into a mech shit. whose boobs are glass orbs that they sit in to control the mech. I know! It's so ridiculous! It's insane! I love it! It's great! Wait, uh, and one of them, it's Boy Boy and Boss Boss, and we uh-huh. interviewed Lauren Landa, who did the American voice of uh, what? Of Boy Boy. I didn't realize yes. it was her. Fucking yeah! I was like, <laughs> I as soon as I saw that on the Wikipedia page, I was like, oh shit! I want to fucking damn it! <laughs> like, let's call her and be like, hey girl, we need to dish. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me all about working on Redline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I also love that they're from the planet Supergrass, which is a total seventies reference right there. I mean, their whole their whole style is very 70s inspired which i love and they're also the planet supergrass is run by a magical princess <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> which is who's just the only great. one allowed to do uh like like long distance magic, magic. Yes, yeah because and it sounds princess. like that's like a, a societal rule that's enforced by like respect and not by any kind of like explicit restrictions right also right. also getting back to like them like owning their sexual selves inside of this movie did anybody catch that uh each one of them did that uh what it, it's like the leg uncrossing thing Isn't that was from uh basic instinct or... yeah basic they yep. like both yep. basic instinct yep. you inside <laughs> of them. and i was just like i was just like well i guess if you're going for it you go all the way you gotta do it <laughs> but uh, yeah i just I love that whole that whole thing. You just the more you talk about, like, yeah, there's these these uh, characters. They're from the planet Supergrass with that's a, run by a magical princess. <laughs> I mean, it just gets crazier and crazier the, the you know more what? you talk about it. So yeah. each of the racers is different, and they each get their own introduction. And it just, I was just thinking about it, and it makes me think of Into the Spider Verse, where each oh, yeah. Spider Man oh, has their yeah, own intro, and mm-hmm. it. It's it doesn't switch styles in this as much as it does in Into the Spider-Verse, but the the storytelling style kind of switches, even if the animation doesn't, to fit <laughs> each character. And so it yeah. has kind of a similar feel. So and I think it's a great move to give these characters who most of the time for the most part end up being side characters. Mm-hmm. But it, it makes them pop and it makes them memorable in a way that like Otherwise, in a movie that's focusing on two of eight racers, you wouldn't really remember most of them. But I remember all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Who was who was your racer you were breeding for, Blake? Um, I, I, I liked Machine Head before the race. 
And in the race, he didn't do it for me as much, but I also liked the weird, like, evil superhero team. Oh, the, yeah. The, like, one the guy looked hunters? kind of like... He had a helmet that makes you think of, like, Devil Man a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're then, the bounty hunter characters. Yeah, they're they're bounty hunters, but they the way that they dress and the the sequences of them fighting and the fact that they like sell movies of their exploits. Oh my god, yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> they seem more like superheroes than bounty hunters. Yeah. Um, they seem like they to want to be superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like yeah, they're they're bounty but, hunters. Yeah, I thought they were the really cool characters. Shots, like it, they're bounty hunters in the way that, like, the big shot uh, people on TV and Cowboy Bebop are, uh, are bounty hunters. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They're tele- they're they're mostly there to sell a television show and also maybe catch a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were great. I mean, all yeah. of the racers were fun. Like, even I think the least memorable are the two like bowl cut characters. But even then, they had like a weird insect car, and they had like some great moments too. So. Everybody's really fun. Yeah. So um, getting back to like what's happening inside of the movie, there's a couple of plot points that are going to happen like in pretty quick succession. Um, the first one is going to be like the the first uh, meeting again between uh, uh, Sonoshi and JP inside of this restaurant that's like a like I guess like aquarium themed, um, and I guess it's called Oasis because the the manager of the restaurant is wearing like you know victoria's secret pants that instead of saying juicy on the butt they said oasis like (laughs) (laughs) and then like at one point he's gonna get pantsed and i was just like what (laughs) yeah Um, that character is voiced by michael center nicholas who uh if you don't know who that is he's the voice of dean venture on the venture brothers i thought he sounded familiar I did not know that. <laughs> and he's also, uh, currently, he's, like, a very prominent uh, ADR uh, director for stuff like uh, Your Name and uh, stuff that G-Kids has been doing. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Uh, I I do enjoy, there's going to be, like, that, that character you talked about before, the, the kind of, like, lizard man, he's going he's gonna to break in on the conversation between Sonoshi and JP uh, to give some like plot, he's gonna throw some plot out there and also hit on Sonoshi a little bit. Um, and then uh, I love this next part where they just like instead of coming in through the door, <laughs> <laughs> they just straight up burst through the side of the wall. This guy that's like, if Captain America was mixed with a robot, mixed with a Nazi, um, he would be the person to show up at this point. Wait, are you talking like, about Metalhead, or are you talking about um, the dude from the, the military? Oh, I forgot that they had the fight first. Yeah. Between the guy that keeps on crying this and... This is where those... I fell in love with Metalhead, because he's absurd. Oh. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's like a, pretty wild. He's a big, yeah. like, android walking around, and he's like, you're an idiot, get out of my way. He's like, <laughs> no, I'm crying. He's like, I told you to move. He's like, I won't move because you said so, I'll fuck you up. And then he's like, if you won't move, I'll walk around you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so logical, you can't argue with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just, like, the rest of the military just burst through the side of the wall, 
um, and they cause, like, a gigantic wave of all of the aquariums breaking, um, and this guy shows up who's one of the generals, uh, I can't remember his name either, um, but uh, he's going to threaten JP, who is talking a big game, and then he's like, he's like, you're talking a big game for somebody who's surrounded by seven uh, guns, and then JP starts to say something back to him, and somebody just knocks him the hell out. You're pretty uptight <laughs> for hanging out under a bridge. <laughs> So they're also being very extrajudicial here. Several of the racers point out, like, you basically can't be here because this is a DMZ. And they're like, fuck you, we can go wherever we want to. That doesn't super get followed up on, but basically the military is putting pressure on people and trying, I guess, to dissuade interest in the red line. And it is not working. Yeah, instead, everybody is getting more and more and more hyped about the red line. Um, and then we're going to get um, kind of a, a touching back and forth uh, between Sonoshi and JP, where JP, like, drives her home, and he, like, uh, there she, like, drops an earring or something, and he ends up, like, picking it up, um, and then driving away and crashing his bike and throwing himself into, like, a field of dandelions in space. They're space um, dandelions, because they glow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this... We're also going to find that out. Explanation of it. <laughs> there are a few flashbacks that are going to give you the backstory in a really quick and pretty efficient manner, which also, basically it's make shows, you huh? Really, really likes Sonoshi too. Like, oh, the she's way great. That, yeah, she like crashes her like one of her racers when she was training and younger, um, and instead of getting help from fucking anybody, she gets up and she's just like, "I don't want your help." Let me do this. I'm training every day. You guys get it handed to you. Fuck you. I'm going to do yeah. it myself. And she seems like, off. and of the three of us, I'm certainly not going to be the authority on this subject. So I'm going to put this out there and see if you agree with me, Dawn. But Sona, she almost seemed like her story, even though it wasn't really focused on in this way, it seemed low-key like a woman trying to succeed in a world where mostly men are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, fighting that... to have her place. Yeah, that was the thing that uh, I was kind of talking about earlier that really made me, like, really click with Sanoshi. Mm Because, I mean, as a woman growing up in these times, uh, (laughs) there there have been plenty of instances where I've had to really work hard and really drive and practice and focus and put myself out there for many, many things – And, like, nobody, like, you get frustrated sometimes because, like, you see some people who, like, you know, they they get all these opportunities that you don't get. And that's what she's basically trying to yell at them. She's like, you know, you you have it so easy. You can do all of this stuff, but I have to sit here and I have to work twice as hard as you do because Mm -hmm. I don't get those luxuries. Yeah. I, I I have to push myself and push myself, and I don't want your help. And yeah. and I was just like, the first time I ever saw that, I was like, oh my god, I feel this, like, deep in my bones! Yeah. yeah. I respect the fuck out of this character. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's really kind of inspiring, and she seems like a really hard-working character who's very mm-hmm. much, like, self-made success, and definitely fighting against the odds for what she wants, and... They do all of this without saying almost any of that explicitly or paying very much attention to it. Like the movie is not about that. 
and they don't spend a lot of time on it, but you can tell that that's her character and it works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the next thing that is going to happen inside of the movie is that the, the race is going to, um, the race is about to start. Um, the, they're going to give you some more like quick plot points um, with just like, they have a giant uh, laser in space that is going to um, completely ruin everybody. Even if they lose power Um, that is going to be sabotaged by the uh, bounty hunter characters we saw earlier. Um, There is also going to be a lot of stuff happening under the surface where the, uh, the robo planet is trying to stop the betting rings. And this is really pissing off like the, the people that are just like, you know, this is like my holiday for the next five years. Basically the world cup of racing. You're going to take this shit away from me. Fuck you. I'm going to destroy your power plant. Um, and so these disgruntled workers are going to take out a power plant, which is going to slow down the robo people. Um, and then the other thing that is going to happen is that, uh, the, the magical, um, uh, I guess planet, what is it like magic grass or Supergrass? Supergrass, Yeah. Um, they are going to use a, um, a, like, hyperdrive to appear inside of their airspace all of a sudden. There's and such one a of my great moment. Scenes, he's like, they're... he's like, they're gonna use, a, they're gonna use a hyperdrive that doesn't exist. He's like, it's theoretical. Yeah. And they're gonna use it in my face. <laughs> <laughs> so pissed off. So their goal is to shoot the, there's like a red line ship that is carrying all of the racers on it to the planet to get started and robo president does not want this to happen and so he wants to use the disintegrator beam on the ship as soon as it materializes which he then attempts to do but it's been sabotaged and so it can't happen so then they launch all of the racers down to the planet yeah which kicks off one of like the best opening parts of a racing movie that I have ever seen, where it's just like they are dropped not only in a badass race that they're going to all be fighting against each other, but they're, they're dropping themselves into basically a war zone where there are all of these like generals and like weird robot fighters that are out to destroy any of the racers, not just like a specific one, but all of them. It's, it's yeah, because great. Before, before this, you see, um, the the generals and all of the robot presidents, lackeys, basically, like, having this sort of, like, weird cyberpunk body horror sort of jacking into uh, this mainframe where they all control, like, all of these uh, super robots, basically. And mm-hmm. it's so wild. And, like, the animation in that part specifically, the very first time I saw it, like, totally blew me away. I was like, I was not expecting to see this kind of animation in a racing yeah. movie, but I'm yeah. here for it. This is so yeah. cool. Yeah. It does a good job of setting up the stakes, too, and heightening them, because these racers, they are having a high-stakes life-and-death race on a planet that is actively trying to kill them. So mm-hmm. not only do they have to avoid deadly attacks from their fellow racers, but they also have to avoid deadly attacks from people whose only goal is to kill them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there is going to be a lot of racing and a lot of fighting. Uh, uh, once again, go back to that YouTube video if you just want to watch that. It's all badass. Um, it's going to go back and forth. Each one of the racers is actually going to have like a cool spotlight moment. 
where you each you see like each one of them going through their different fighting parts of the races. Um, the next big important plot point is that they're going to accidentally wake up Funky Boy. Now um, it's time to get funky. Yeah. Instead of being like a big giant mech robot and you're like, oh, it's big and scary. Instead, think a uh, horrible giant baby monster, a.k.a. like the, the Bankai of whatever his name yeah. is. Uh, from, Captain, what's uh, it, Matsubishi, I think? Yeah, he's he's the one that's like the scientist, the mad scientist who has a weird giant terrible baby um Bankai. Yeah. And it's like that, except for instead of just destroying a little bit of the planet, it's going to destroy everything. Um, it, like, shoots out a beam from its mouth the first time, and it, like, rips through half of the moon. It it's also... basically like uh, baby baby Godzilla in the, the newer Godzilla movies. Oh, yeah. It's also, yeah. like, um, it has this great sound that they give to it. Which is like this horrible cry mixed with like the energy beam noise. And it made me think of, you know, in um, Evangelion with the big cube that does a like scream when it shoots. Yeah. It made me oh, think yeah, of the angels, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's the same kind of almost visceral sound where you're just like, this is so unique and different and like blood curdling and it's awesome that just made me think about ava and now i'm like in my head i can only see zero zero two just like opening its mouth it's anyways let's get back to this (laughs) yeah this was the second uh part of the movie where i was like well i was also not expecting a kaiju battle to break out in the middle (laughs) of this movie but also here we go like this is great but wait, before kaiju battle happens, they're going to fire a giant laser at it. And if we've learned anything from giant lasers inside of anime, sometimes you can blow it up and kill it. Sometimes it's going to survive because you didn't destroy one of its little cells, a.k.a. Yeah. Dragon Ball Z. Giant um, lasers will always work if the target is not a horrible monster that must be killed right now, at which point <laughs> they will never work. Yeah, in, you know, think about, you know, Akira. Um, so, yeah, anyways. that's a good example, actually. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of horrible baby monsters. Yeah, Definitely. instead of fighting it, instead with this giant baby monster and a laser, when it comes back, the evil general who is fighting uh, with uh, evil president is going to inject himself into a horrible tentacle monster, which turns this him into... This came out of goddamn nowhere. I know. And when he comes out to fight the baby monster, I was just like, you know what? If Sharknado was a person <laughs> it would be this <laughs> this is the, the thing is though like this comes out of nowhere there was no indication before this that he was secretly mutinous or going for some sort of power grab there as far as i remember there was no scene indicating that he had some sort of secret lab with a an eldritch creature waiting to bond with him <laughs> And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this race battle, he comes and he's like, uh, surprise, I'm going to fuse with this tentacle monster and become a giant street shark and attack it. And then we're going to have a kaiju fight. And if it weren't... If it weren't for the movie around it, I would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But as it was, I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then (laughs) nothing comes of it. Yeah. It's like Koike read my dream journal. (laughs) You know what? I had a moment when I was watching this and it started getting like 
it was one of those things where it's just like in Dragon Ball Z, like you can only get more powerful from here on out mm-hmm. unless you're going to completely spin it on top of its head over and over and over again. And I had this moment where I like flashed back to Spriggan and watching that movie, which I don't recommend that anybody does. Just go back and listen to our podcast episode. To Spriggan? You need to, yeah. Did and you watch it I, again? What it, are you okay? No, 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 no. I'm just referencing, <laughs> I'm just referencing Spriggan because this is one of those moments inside of like rule of cool and doing uh, ridiculous things inside of a movie where if it is done correctly, the audience is already on the roller coaster and they're like, yeah, just fucking throw it on the plate. Yeah. But like, if you're going to do something like this, you better get to a point of ridiculousness uh, of like the level of like a Gurren Lagan or something like that. Where it's just like everybody has to already be on it and accept it. We've watched two different movies that both do try to do stuff like this inside of anime, and they both get it wrong. What was the name of the other one? Is like towards the terror, which does yeah. the same sort of thing. And I'm just like, ah. that is our once and future <laughs> crossover episode with yeah. another show that we will eventually finish recording and get to. Yeah, but it's this movie, I I will, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it before, go into it realizing that it's going to be ridiculous, it's going to be high octane, and also you're going to completely fucking accept it. Because, like, if you're, if if you make it through the first five minutes of this movie and you haven't gone, you know, you haven't turned it off because you hate this style of movie, you're going to love it. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty in, true. In all of my... Uh, recommending this movie, I've only ever come across one person who was like, no, I didn't care for this movie. Uh, (laughs) I could totally see how you could not care for this movie if you just, if you want something that has a little more weight to it. But like we said earlier, this has a surprising amount of weight to it. And when it lacks in weight, it makes up for it in just sheer, like, giddy fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really so, great animation. Yeah, for like, real. Every time they uh, flick a button or push a button, I'm like, yes, do it. Yeah, yeah so, the, the thing with this movie is that everything looks so good because they took their time with this movie. Like, everything is hand-drawn. There, there are no CG elements in the entire film. Mm-hmm. And it... <laughs> Koike, this was like his baby. So this movie took seven years to animate yeah, I think finished. they talk about that in the Super Eye Patch video that I that I referenced. That's another good if you want to watch the racing compilation that Spencer's been talking about. I would also add the Super Eye Patch video about it. It's mm-hmm. totally worth checking out. It's going to talk also about the, if you the if if you get the Blu-ray of this movie, which I highly recommend because if you go on Amazon right now, the Blu-ray of this movie is like eight dollars. It's oh. not expensive at all. Fucking worth it. <laughs> I mean, I bought it when it was twice that, and I don't uh, regret any of it. Like, I would, That's I would have bought cheap this for a Blu-ray. Yeah. I would have bought this movie if it was like thirty dollars because it's just that good. Uh, but like this is—that's one of the things that I tell people. Like this movie is like less than ten dollars, and it's amazing. You should own it. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. there's a ma- there's a making of featurette on the uh, Blu-ray that's very fun to watch uh, because Koike just like. You can really tell he just really had a lot of passion for this movie, even though this movie famously did not make very much money at all. Yeah, 
Uh, it even was like, in Japan, it didn't It was a really... flop everywhere. Yeah. And it's yeah. astonishing to me because it's really good. Like, you look at yeah. something like this and you're like, yeah, again, it's not going to be for everybody. Maybe it's hard to sell them on, like, a deep plot. Like, it is it is no Akira, but it's, it is really good. And it's a beautiful art piece. Well, the um, sad thing is, currently in Japan, well, it's been this way for, like, you know, the past probably 10 years now it's really hard to sell people on stuff that's not part of an already existing franchise especially if we're talking yeah. anime fans uh, so same thing like with the american movie industry yeah sadly so it's it kind of yeah. suffers the same thing like the people who love this movie like me really love this movie because it's just really 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 good um but convincing other people to love this movie is very hard because they're like Oh, I don't know. I've never heard of it. It's an anime thing. Um, I don't know. You know, yeah. it's it's really hard to convince people to watch this movie. But when you do, most people are like, why have I never heard of this movie? It's yeah. so good. Especially yeah. like if, like you were saying earlier, if you love the Fast and the Furious movies, you should definitely have watched this movie yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is this is one of those this is one of those anime movies that I I um I've been digging around a little bit on um on like the the different like uh like Reddit boards that talk about it a little bit and it definitely has like a under cult it's it's the anime the anime cult status of something like a Donnie Darko which like people people if you say Donnie Darko to a lot of people that watch that exact kind of movie, like the weird sci-fi, like Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind-esque movies, like so, uh, a lot of those people will have never heard of Donnie Darko before, even though they obsess about this exact same thing. And I think that that was just like, Donnie Darko, it, it, it grossed uh, a third of what it cost to make it. This movie grossed $6 million and cost $30 million to make in yeah. seven years. Oof. And yep. that's just like that's a money pit that you can't you can't dig yourself out of. That yeah, is, it, it's that's like battlefield earth amount of loss of money. <laughs> I know it's yeah. so sad. It 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 really makes me sad that, like I was saying, in some parallel timeline, this movie was a huge hit and became like you know right up there with like Akira as like yeah. one of those things that like got people into anime and made people excited about anime again. But um, sadly, we don't live in that timeline. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fucked up things about our timeline. But yeah. the uh, <laughs> to, yeah, to be fair, the, yeah, <laughs> it, it's absolutely movie. worth it, and it, it is just baffling how it's not more yeah. popular. It's so good. So the last, the last like big plot push at the end of this movie is going to be about a head-to-head race between um, JP and uh, and our our God. Why do I keep Machine Head? Machine Head. <laughs> no, Machine Head, and also um, Sonoshi. Sonoshi oh, yeah, is going to be this in movie the car with is JP. a love story. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, if you didn't know, there's going to be a couple of moments where like they almost kiss, and I was just like, oh, I see what you did there. What, what um, <laughs> we haven't talked about either, and it's going to play into this final sequence, but it also shows up several other times in the film, is the stretching effect to show speed. And it is awesome. So what happens when they hit like the nitrous or whatever is that the animated people will like stretch out and they'll it's basically like a stylized sequence 
to show you how fast they're going. Oh, it's, it's like it's it's the stylized effect of G-forcing. Yeah, so it's, it's awesome. They do a similar thing, but for comedy in Guardians of the Galaxy Two, mm-hmm. and it's that kind of thing where you distort the characters to make a sort of artistic point about what is going on. And in this, it is badass and it looks badass and you feel awesome watching it. It's so cool. Also, I love the part where like his, his like, it's, you know, four armed, uh, uh, mechanic is going to like come in and just straight up murder every mafia person. That's going to try to kill Frisbee. Just real quick. Uses (laughs) to blow up the, uh, the car. Um, that's yeah, about like, why do we still have mafias when we have mechanics? Yeah, the mechanic just comes in and he doesn't shoot them with a normal shotgun. No, no, no. He's got a shotgun that's mixed with like a fucking crossbow that just like rips people apart. And he shoots like the mafia boss and his head just like, you see his head just like fly off. <laughs> like, like the arrow, that the part of like Princess Mononoke that I always thought was so badass, where he shoots the bow and arrow with his like you know evil arm, and it just cuts off that guy's head, and it just flies straight up in the air. Yeah, it's just it so hard. And the reason that the mechanic does this is because when um, Funky Boy knocks a he like attacks, he he pops up in the middle of the race, and he attacks everybody, and it um, knocks everybody's cars over, and all the racers kind of have to regroup and and continue racing and at that point on the television um the mechanic sees jp's car and notices that there is a bomb attached to it and he knows that these guys have a history of connection with the mafia and of throwing races and he knows that jp is not into that and is probably unaware of it and he wants to save jp's life and that is why he kills the whole mafia (laughs) Yeah. In, like, one scene. He John Wicks the Mafia real quick, like, two minutes flat. And yeah. then he's like, nah, I didn't do it for you. <laughs> okay. So now that we have our final sequence set up, uh, Machine Head against uh, uh, JP's car, um, they are going to uh, try to get into a game of one-upsmanship that can only be described as maximum awesome. Um, so they, <laughs> yeah. they drop... They drop in, uh, first of all, they drop in their normal nitrous to go faster and faster. Then she uses her, like, special nitrous. What was the name of it again? It was, like, it was like Blue Angel or something. It's, like, uh, I can't remember the name of it. But they use the special one. She's been carrying around this necklace that has it on the end of it, like, her whole life. Um, and you know, the, gonna... the uh, Deuce Ex Machina or whatever. Yeah, let's yeah. go Super <laughs> Saiyan Blue, and that way yeah. they can go even faster. Yeah, um, I also love that when they use this, uh, Machine Head also has one, and they're going to go super fast. But all of the other racers, they slip into their like um, their Power Ranger mode, and each one of them gets a different color uh, flame to chase after, and they like all kick on their nitrous, and it like there's like pink and green and yellow. Yeah, and you know, it, again, it makes me think of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure where things are across the finish line. It, it makes me think of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure where things get a color so that you see what's happening or to give it style rather than because we're supposed to sincerely believe that that's the color of the thing. Yeah. So the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to start breaking apart um, in their, because their machines are going so fast. They're going to have to, like, they, one of them, uh, JP's car is going to break into basically like a motorcycle um, and then to 
counteract that machine head's like fuck you i can transform and he just keeps on getting faster and leaner and faster and leaner and then they're like i have to figure out something to push me over the edge so the mechanic is just like he's been straight up drinking the whole time and he has like a look on his face like he's super drunk and he's like fuck it and he just explodes the bomb underneath him (laughs) (laughs) and it i guess is placed just so that it does not kill them even though it destroys the entire car around them, <laughs> but it rockets them forward just enough. And, and even the, this whole time, you're kind of like, you're you're still kind of like, oh, are they going to win? Because it's just so fucking close. Yeah. Because, like, they're literally, they literally show them, like, flying through the air, and there's, like, one point where, like, JP's hair is basically just, like, a tiny bit over just a yeah. little bit just a and you're like oh my god is this gonna be like a photo finish like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it is it turns out that we get jp um crossing the finish line at the exact moment that sonoshi panish goes over the finish line and instead of flying to the ground and being immediately killed which is what i thought was about to happen um because they're not in a car and they just emerge from a fireball um they are going to be caught by magic i assume and just float around in midair and they just straight up make out in front of everybody and then it just says love and then the end yeah (laughs) they love each other now because um racing yep yeah, that's basically I, how it works. I will say well, that I... We, the... we kind of glossed over the part where, like, in these flashbacks, we see that JP and Sanoshi actually had met each other as children. And yeah. JP recognized her, but, like, Sanoshi might not have at first. She didn't and... seem to, but it seems like he's maybe been carrying a torch for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And, like, this whole thing kind of brought them together, and they eventually found each other and realized oh hey we actually like each other yeah and you know what else is cool that's like the very small b plot to the a plot which is just awesome racing right you know what else is cool though is that (laughs) we we talked a few minutes ago about sonoshi being sort of a self-made woman in a man's world as her sort of underlying narrative and Mm -hmm. at the end of this film her car is destroyed and um, JP like picks her up in his arms and carries her out of her car. And then he's like, you know, you wanted to see the finish line. Why don't you ride with me? And she gets in and he kind of puts his arm around her. And it, it it should almost feel like she is being sidelined or girlfriended. But then when they're racing, they're going super fast. And there are s- multiple shots where he like turns to her for strength and where, like, they both put their hands on the wheel to keep it steady. Yeah. And it's like, they both they won could this race. Not like, do without it. her, he would not have won. Yeah, yeah they could they not have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. This movie's great. <laughs> it is. It's so good. I mean, yeah. I think the only thing that would make that would have made it better is would have been if the roles had been reversed and JP had crashed and... Uh, Sonoshi invited him into her car, uh, mm. which I think would have been like a pretty fun twist. But at the same time, it would have basically had the same outcome. So yeah. it's fine. I yeah. think if you did that, so like we said, the the sort of like powerful woman story is definitely an undercurrent. And if you did mm-hmm. that, I think that would be the main story at that point. 
mm-hmm. is right. that she's the she's like saving the day for this other guy, and mm-hmm. I think that it would totally work if you wanted to do like a remake or if you wanted to do like a an American adaptation. I think you could make Sonoshi more of a main character or the main character and just mm-hmm. punch up that undercurrent into a little bit more explicit. You could still have it be pretty subtle because I think that mm-hmm. works really well. But if you if you did that switch, I think it would slam that home in a way that was really pleasing without being too in your face. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But that... con- considering um, that this is very much like how I was saying earlier kind of like in some respects like a 70s throwback like i wasn't surprised at that whole aspect at the end but like i still love it regardless it's still like really cool and really fun and i love that jp always saw sanoshi as an equal he never saw her as somebody that was beneath him or that she wasn't capable of doing this like he saw her as like a very capable rival and and someone he would have to beat Mm-hmm. His love for her is based on respect, too. It's right. not based on, you know, objectification or, like, she's a girl that's near me. Like, she, he likes right. her because she mm-hmm. is talented in mm-hmm. something that he cares about, and that makes him respect her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes all the difference in a movie like this. Like, if yeah. she had been written differently, the movie would have such a different feel that I don't know if I would have liked it as much. Uh, I still probably would have liked it because it's just so fun and stylish, but it's such a nice bonus. It's something cool to see in a movie where you might not have expected something like that. And in a medium that generally fails women very hard. (laughs) Very often. (laughs) More often than I'd like, but, you know. So, uh, Redline is a low-key feminist anthem, and... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) But... Yeah. It's still very much enjoyable and really fun. Yeah. If you wanted to kill space robot Nazis, this is the movie for you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's great seeing like all those just idiots like get their comeuppance. Like, yeah. yeah. Guys. It's awesome. It's so <laughs> it's good. Really and fun. you know, there's a lot of shit with the robo world that just isn't resolved and I I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there are so many things in this movie that you're like, well, wait, what about this and what about this? Uh-huh. And you're like, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. it's a movie. What happened got to the, to the end? Yeah, the, the end general the that movie. merged himself with an eldritch horror to have a kaiju battle with a biological nuclear weapon that yeah. just kept happening, and they drove <laughs> away from it, and we followed yeah. the drivers. Yeah, we don't know how that whole thing panned out. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, after the credits rolled, like, the whole planet could have exploded. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we do know love. <laughs> but love, yes. Because love is very important. Yeah. So, this movie was fantastic. I am I am so happy you recommended it to us. And yeah. this was our crossover episode. Um, we are a little bit over time, for sure. But, like, uh, before we get going, uh, can you just remind everybody that's listening uh, how they can find your podcast, um, how they can follow you? Sure. Well, first of all, like, thank you for letting me talk about Redline because uh, (laughs) as my podcast is the Anime anime Nostalgia Podcast, most people know me as somebody who talks about older things and classic things. Uh, So I was really excited to get a chance to talk about something that's not quite so old that I really, really enjoy, which is Redline. I love Redline. (laughs) I would talk about it for two more hours if you let me. Um, (laughs) 
So, like I said, I am the host of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast, uh, which talks about being an anime fan uh, before the internet was such a huge integral part of our lives. Uh, and you can find that at animenostalgia.blogspot.com. I also have a Tumblr that is not dead if you still are somehow hanging around Tumblr at animenostalgia.tumblr.com. Uh, you can find it also on like pretty much every podcast catcher program app thing that is out there. I try to plug mm-hmm. it in as many as possible. Um, if you want to say hi on the social media, I'm also on Twitter at Bunny Cartoon. That is me. Awesome. Especially no. if you like uh, if you like uh, random pictures of my giant fat cat. I've got those in spades. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> So, if you want to um, talk about something more modern again sometime, maybe we can do this again sometime, because this was really fun. Sure. I, uh, <laughs> I'll promise not to make you talk about uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, because I know how much you love that show. <laughs> oh well, my I don't God. know if you've heard our newest episode on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but we may be converts. <laughs> yeah. We, we had an episode, our last one, we got to Egypt, and I was like, oh shit, did we just start liking JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> we, we just, just like... like we started the episodes like gunslingers like uh what what, what did you think about these episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well to I, be fair uh some parts you know are better than others and yeah. i know some people aren't a big fan of uh part three uh so yeah i can understand <laughs> uh thanks for dropping by again and uh we will see you after the credits thank you thank you very much Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.